0: Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something.
1: I'm Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordby. These are the stories of Jensita Eagledeer and Selena Idan. <laughs>
0: So Katie, this uh, um, this story doesn't re- follow the rest of the stories that we've told on this podcast, and I think this is episode thirty. It is. Um, so because uh, because I guess this is, um, there are no rules, and and, um, I I ran across this story, uh, in my just in my in my r- real life, and I got up I was. Angry. I was upset about it. It happened forty years ago. I was too young to to really know what was going on, um, but it happened in South Dakota, and so it, I have a personal connection. I feel like a it 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 struck me, and I, it sure. made me angry. And so, this story doesn't have is not a, a story of somebody who has gone missing. It's a story of somebody who was murdered, and her remains were found. But it's a um, it's a compelling story, and I I think that. Many of the injustices that uh, Jensita Eagle Deer faced uh, are still happening today for sure. Native American women, and so I just wanted to share it. So, uh, I, I'm sorry this isn't this isn't our normal uh, story that we normally do, but I think it's an important story and needs to be heard again. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Jencida Eagle Deer was 15 years old in January 1967. She was a stunningly beautiful, full-blooded Lakota girl with pitch-black hair that was cut into a bob, and dark eyes. Her parents were unable to care for her due to alcoholism. She was placed with foster parents, John and Yvonne Arkeren, who lived in St. Francis, South Dakota. The Arkeren family was in the process of, ad- of adopting Jencida. The attorney that helped them with the adoption proceedings was Bill Janklow. He was the poverty lawyer and the director of the Rosebud Legal Services Program on the reservation. Janklo also helped Jensita get into the Rosebud Boarding School in Mission, South Dakota, which is about 20 miles from St. Francis. Janklo assumed guardianship over the girl, whether this was legal or, w- whether this was formal or informal, I'm not sure, but he assumed guardianship over the girl since she lived in Mission, um, which is the same community that he lived in. It was also said in a couple of places that she babysat for their family. On Saturday, January 13, 1967, Janklow signed Jensita out of the boarding school and brought her to his home for supper with his family. At five minutes to 8 p.m., Janklow drove Jensita into Mission so that she could attend a dance. When they got to the location, there were no lights on, so Janklow drove around Mission. Mission is located in Northern Todd County, The county sits in the center of the state of South Dakota's southern border with Nebraska. mission is located on the Rosebud Indian Reservation. In 2010, it had a population of 1,182 people. In 2000, the per capita income for the city was $11,374, and over 85% of the community is Native American. The city is .59 square miles. Jensia asked if she could go to a movie instead of driving around with Janklo. He asked if she would rather drink with him, and she said that she would rather go to the dance. Janklo drove out of Mission on US Highway 18. When he was a few miles from town, he turned north onto a dirt road and drove until he reached a rise and a gate that blocked the view of his car. He then raped her. Some reports say that she, he raped her at gunpoint. He then drove back to the dance hall in Mission. Jensita reported that the clock on the car said that it was 8.50 p.m. Janko told her to come home after the dance and gave her $3. She did not return to the Janko home, and he found her walking with her friends the next day. Uh, When he found her, he brought her to his home. At the same time, he sent his wife to the store. He yelled at Jensita for staying out all night. She asked that he take her back to the school, which he did, around 1 p.m. This is a a little bit of a side note, but in 1955, Bill Janklow was accused of raping a white teenage girl uh, when he was 16 years old, but the records were sealed because both were juveniles at the time. When Gensita was dropped off at the school, she went right to the door matron, Catherine Bordeaux. Gensita was crying when she told her what happened, and when questioned, she showed her the dark discoloration hickeys, on her upper left breast and the right side of her neck. While they were talking, Janklo called and said that he wanted to talk to Jencida. Bordeaux told him that she was upset and didn't want to speak to him. Bordeaux then called her supervisor, Kay Lord. While they were talking, their call was interrupted by a staff person saying that Janklo had burst into the building Yelling that he wanted to see Jensita. Lord came into the office, sent Jensita out, and asked Janklo in. Jensita told Bordeaux in the hallway that Janklo had told her not to get him into trouble and that he would buy her anything she wanted. After Lord listened to Janklo's side of the story, he asked s- to see Jensita. Lord told him that it would be too upsetting and sent him away. When Lord listened to Jensita's side of the story, which was the same story that she told Bordeaux. Lord called Gensita's parents and the school principal and then the BIA. On Monday, 36 hours after she was raped, she was taken to the Rosebud Hospital for an an examination. At the hospital, Gensita was examined by a nurse and a doctor. The medical personnel reported that she was in shock and that he believed that she had been assaulted. The BIA conducted their investigation And the FBI found that there was not enough evidence to prosecute.
1: Do we know if there was such a thing as a rape kit? When did rape kits come out? Those, the swabs to show if there was? Uh,
0: I would say that uh, what I
1: know from, what
0: I know from the sexual assault uh, nurse examiner that we know and
1: work with, that is a very recent, Okay. it's very recent. I know that. So, I mean, that they could they could look and see that maybe something happened, but not necessarily. They could see
0: that there was there was abrasions, that there was um, contusions, that there was um, rips or tears or sure. anything like that. But the the sexual assault nurse exam that we know of today is very new. Sure. A- and there may have been parts of that were that were used at some point, but um, that forensic exam is is really very modern. Right. Sure. So this is a, this is, this is happening, so this is a kind of a chronological, a couple of chronological things that I want to tell you about, um, um, because I think that it's important to the story. So in February of 1973, Bill Jenkla was arrested for a DUI on the Crow Creek Indian Reservation. And according to the officer that arrested him, Jenkla was extremely drunk, and naked below the waist. This is February in South Dakota, uh, which is, is it, warm. and on the reservation. Yeah, uh, which is a uh, is uh, for the most part flat and uh, unobstructed, and it's it can be brutal. Right. Um, why would you be naked below the waist? Right. There's just no good reason for that. And then at the same time, so later in February. <clears throat> But at the same time, it should be noted that the, that the Wounded Knee occupation happened on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Uh, and that happened, um, that occupation was from February 27th to May 8th, 1973. So those, those things are important things that are happening right there on the reservation. Sure. And, um, and he is the, you know, he's the official, um, the, the uh, director, of the poverty lawyer uh, for the uh, Rosebud Legal Services. And these are the things that are happening, and this is his behavior, and so I think that's just important to talk about. In the fall of 1974, Bill Janklow was a Republican candidate for the South Dakota Attorney General. The American Indian Movement leader, Dennis Banks, asked Jensita to testify in tribal court about the rape. At that time, Jensita was 22 years old and had gone to Iowa to escape the rumors. Anna Mae Aquash, another... American Indian Movement leader, went to Iowa and convinced Jensita to testify against Janklow. Jensita filed a petition to disbar Janklow from tribal court, preventing him from practicing law on the reservation. The BIA sent the police investigation reports and the rape report to their office in Aberdeen, South Dakota, to keep it out of the hands of tribal court. Two misdemeanor warrants were issued against Janklow, and they granted Jancida's petition to have Janklow barred from practicing law on the, res- on the Rosebud Reservations, but no arrests were made and Janklow denied all accusations. At the same time, in the fall of 1974, Jancida started to date Douglas Durham after she returned to South Dakota from Iowa. There were rumors that Durham was abusive towards Jancida. Durham was confronted and warned to stop seeing Jensita by AIM, uh, American Indian Movement leader, Dennis Banks. In late 1974, leaders of the AIM Movement found out that Douglas Durham was an FBI informant. He had participated in the, in the Wounded Knee Occupation. He had participated in several things along the way. and um, Against... No, on okay. behalf oh, okay. of the of the American Indian movement. Okay. But he was doing that and 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 very likely transferring information sure. okay. about who was what and where. Sure. So but he was he was deeply involved in all those things. So the Rosebud Tribal Court judge, Mario Gonzalez, issued a warrant for Bill Janklow after he refused to appear in court. He was being charged with assault and carnal knowledge of a child. It was issued three days after he was elected attorney general. Two weeks later, on the night of April 14, 1975, Jensito was struck and killed by a car while on a rural road in Nebraska. The site of the accident is near Aurora, Nebraska. 200 miles from Jensita's home. She was last seen with Douglas Durham. The coroner's report said that she may have been beaten before the accident or injured when she was pushed out of one car and hit by another. Jensita Eagledeer was 22 years old. After her death, Jensita's stepmother, Delphine Eagledeer, took up Jensita's case against Janklo. Nine months later, she was found beaten to death on the Rosebud Reservation. According to Dennis Banks, she was beaten by a BIA policeman, the Bureau of Indian Affairs policeman, who used drunkenness as his plea. He was not charged with murder. Bill Jenkel would go on to become governor of South Dakota and hold that position for 16 years. He served a little more than one year in the U.S. House of Representatives before he resigned. He resigned because he was charged with manslaughter for running a stop sign and killing motorcyclist Randy Scott.
1: I understand why you wanted to tell that story, because it's infuriating. And it's infuriating that this stuff is still happening. Still, today. It's it's just, it's unacceptable. It's
0: unacceptable on so many levels. First of all, that... A predator like Janklo with no respect for the Native American community could do what he has done and and there there absolutely are incidences in which he did the same thing, but people never spoke up about it, never spoke against it. Right. because why
1: would they right? They weren't going to be believed. Um, well, and I mean, he's in a position of power. He knew what he could get away with, that he would not, that he would be believed over these people, these accusers. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention anywhere that he was he native? No. Oh, he was that he was white? No. Okay. Okay. Because I think that that's significant also. It is
0: significant in yep. this case. Mm-hmm. And it's significant. I mean, this isn't even getting into the Wounded Knee occupation and, and, and all the things that went wrong in that and around that. Or the Native
1: American boarding schools. Or the Native American. I mean, Ameri- I mean other and,
0: and I think that in this case, in this case, it appears as if the boarding school, I mean, everything that they did was... was <laughs> they, they may have taken too much time, but, but it, they, they believed her. Right they believed her they um they went on and got a medical exam even if it was days later right they um they believed her they did the right thing they did the right thing yep. toward toward their um student yeah um their boarding student and but he would have had a great deal of power over the school the community i mean right he was the. It it's just, it's like it's like putting a fox in charge of the, um, you know, keeping track of the bunnies. It's just it's just a, it's
1: awful. And I I think too that, you know, if you're if you're sexually assaulted, it's hard enough to come forward and tell your story, let alone if you're um if the perpetrator, is in law enforcement, in, is an attorney, is a house of, rep- I mean, let alone, right. they're in this position, where they know people, right. they know the system, they know what they, should say, and what they shouldn't mm-hmm. do, um, and they, she was a 15 year old girl, Native American, yep,
0: she was 15 years old, yeah, in 1974, and, there are so many things, that are wrong with this story, mm-hmm. um, that her stepmother then is assaulted and killed by somebody who is being paid to protect. It, it's, it is just the most maddening thing. And then to not only have him not pay a price for what he did, but then to go on and be elected time and time again um, for positions of leadership. And that would have, that would have, he would have served in the House of Representatives, except for that one day, um,
1: he ran a stop sign. Well, somebody could prove that he killed somebody, basically. Right. They could prove that he couldn't, he couldn't get, he couldn't get himself out of that. Right. At that point. And, and I think that part of the reason is, is it wasn't
0: on the reservation. Right. It couldn't be hidden. It couldn't be And the, um, it also just, it it just angers me that he accused, or he blamed his running the stop sign on his diabetes. Oh, like he blacked out or something? That somehow it affected him. And the, the, um, they came back and said, you're an intelligent person intelligent person would have managed he said that he hadn't eaten for 18 hours or something like that and an intelligent person would have managed their diabetes better intelligent person wouldn't have gotten behind the wheel after not eating for 18 hours um an intelligent person wouldn't have done this but you chose to do these things and so thus you are responsible for his death
1: right
0: and i i certainly don't think that I, i i think that he had 100 days in jail or some just just small um price to pay um it affected his career in the house of representatives but sure it's it's as if he was made of teflon and nothing stuck to him and it makes me so angry
1: and here we are today 40 years later and our native american women and children are still being marginalized and are still victimized and, and brutalized right in the exact same way that they were discarded yeah discounted yeah it's so upsetting and um
0: and it is still happening yeah it is still happening and people are still not being held accountable for their behaviors
1: well and now we have rape kits we have dna testing we have these things to to prove that there were perpetrators and they're still getting away with it and I, I just want to say that just this is this is
0: this um, injustice and this issue specifically of Native American women um, being assaulted, killed, murdered, um, and thrown away is the reason was the catalyst behind this podcast initially. It's this this is the the thing that got me thinking about it and talking about it. And, um, it was just such a, a terrible injustice that I, and I didn't know this story. I knew, I knew some tidbits of this story, because it certainly isn't taught right. in our high school uh, history classes.
1: Right. But,
0: um, and, uh, when I ran across it, I just wanted to learn more, because I think that, Gen- that Eagle Deer deserves better.
1: Absolutely. So my story this week um, is a story that aired on Unsolved Mysteries in February of 1994. Most of the information I found comes from that episode. Selena Edan was president of the student body and her senior class president. She graduated from high school in 1980. She dropped out of college to join the Air Force. I couldn't find how long she was in for, but after her time in the service ended, she became a journeyman construction worker, which I didn't really know what that meant, so I had to look it up. It, it means that she completed an official apprenticeship qualification. So she was legit.
0: Well, that's, 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 it's a that's big deal. an education while on the job.
1: Right. She was living in San Francisco, California at the time. Her family said that she always marched to the beat of her own drummer. She joined the Teamsters and bought herself a motorcycle. Again, I was not aware of what the Teamsters were. Um, from what I found, it's a union. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I wasn't. I didn't know what that was. And I, I think Teamsters are just any
0: union, but in this case, it would be a, um, a her construction. Okay. I, you know, Teamsters maybe may have a um, a different connotation in other areas, but sure. when when you say Teamsters, I think of a it's a group of a union a gr- group of members from the same union. Okay.
1: On November 29th in 1989, Selena was driving her motorcycle home from the Union Hall in downtown San Francisco. She was almost home when a truck swerved in front of her and they collided. She was admitted to the hospital as Jane Doe because her identification was lost in the aftermath of the accident. Her family lived in San Diego, eight hours away from San Francisco. It wasn't until seven days after the accident that her mother and brother were able to locate her and identify her. Oh, that's just Selena was in a coma for six weeks. She had fluid buildup around her brain, her left thigh was crushed, her left eye was permanently damaged, and she had significant memory loss. She basically had to relearn everything and had the mind of a child. Her brother, Dion, told Unsolved Mysteries that she was eager to regain her health and began a demanding regimen of physical therapy. He said, quote, She challenged herself to the max, and it was like a lot of things that she just couldn't do. And I guess she just wasn't ready to accept the fact that she wasn't well yet, unquote. Two months after the accident, she moved to San Diego to recuperate at her mother's house. She improved physically, but deteriorated mentally. She was having a lot of headaches and had many episodes of mental confusion, and that was extremely frustrating for her. Her mother told Unsolved Mysteries, quote, things like that would upset her. That's when I noticed her frustration more and more, and she wanted to be on her own but the more she pushed it, the more confused she was becoming, unquote. In May 1990, she moved back to San Francisco, hoping that the familiarity of old friends would help her. Would help in her recovery. Her friend Lori said that Selena didn't seem healthy to be on her own and that she definitely needed somebody to help her. Despite being on her own, she was in the habit of calling her mother regularly. In October 1990, her mom received a call from Selena that she'll never forget. She said, quote, She was evasive with me, and that wasn't like her. She would tell me everything. I said, Selena, what you need to do, you need to come back home. And she said, well, don't worry if you don't hear from me for a month or two. And she said, I'll be calling you soon and hung up. And that's the last time I've heard from Selena, unquote. She told her mom that she was going away for a while with a friend who would be taking care of her. Selena told her friend Tracy that she was moving to the Midwest with a woman she just met but she never mentioned this friend's name. Selena was last seen in a hospital in San Francisco on October 28, 1991. Her family hired a private investigator, and they uncovered possible sightings of her in the the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. This area was known for drug use and was generally not not the safest area. The investigator followed leads but never located Selena. The last time Selena was heard from was a garbled message on her friend Lori's answering machine on December 31st, 1991. It is possible that this mysterious woman that Selena was leaving with may have been responsible for her disappearance. Her family is unsure if she was met with foul play, or if she wandered off, unaware of her identity due to her brain injury. They believe she's alive somewhere in the U.S., most likely lost and confused. Sadly, three of Selena's sisters have since passed away, not knowing what happened to their sister. Selena Adan was 29 years old when she vanished in 1991. She would be 68 this year. She is described as African American, 5'7", 110 pounds. She has black hair and brown eyes. Both of her ears are pierced, as well as her nostril. She has a scar on the top of her head and a mole on her forehead. Due to the accident, she walks with a limp and suffers from headaches. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Selena Adan, please call the San Francisco Police Department at 415-553-0123. Wow.
0: She was a trailblazer. She was. She Um, really was. I didn't tell us until the very end that she was African American and in my mind I was thinking I was I was thinking that she was Caucasian sure um, but I th- but I think that in, at that time to be I think at any time to be mm-hmm. um, a woman who went through the construction trades became an apprentice and uh, completed that and in the Air Force and in the Air Force uh, is it, impressive yeah. is impressive and it talks about uh, strength of character mm-hmm. and uh, resiliency yeah. and um, a willfulness. Yeah, and overcoming Str- and strong. Yeah. I mean, strong physically, mentally, emotionally yeah. to be able to move on and to do that. Yeah. Um. They were there. The name of the woman
1: that she left with was never reported in anything. In anything. And part of what's upsetting about this case too is that there isn't much about her. Mm-hmm. Um that Unsolved Mysteries episode was literally the bulk of what's out there about her. Really? Um, other than kind of the same information right. in other places. Yeah. Um, but there hasn't really been anything since... You know, there's there hasn't been updates that I was able to find or... Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that...
0: Um, was there any foul play or anything considered when... With the accident, I mean that wasn't. It wasn't intentional. It was just an accident. It was just an accident. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. It's interesting that her family doesn't believe that she met with foul play. Right. They believe that she's alive and lost and confused.
1: Which would be which would be horrible.
0: Which would be so awful.
1: But I I think too, that. I think that that's kind of a double edged sword that they don't believe that she met with foul play because Which means she's still alive and probably because she was such a tough person. Mm-hmm. You know, she had gotten through all these things, and she was so willful as far as getting better. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. do this, and I'm I'm gonna take care of myself, and I'm gonna I'm gonna live back on my own. Right, and I'm gonna I can right. do this, and I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's why, but that could be a part of it mm-hmm. that they think, well, she got through all these things, all these individuals, right? She maybe just doesn't realize who she is. She was is. at the top of her class. She yeah.
0: went to, she went to the air force. She did all these right. things, and um, and she would make it through whatever came her way. I okay. she she had done what she had done before,
1: but she just doesn't know who she is. Uh, so, are her are her parents still alive? From what I could tell, they are okay. Yeah, and it it didn't specifically say how many siblings she had. I know she has the one brother, and I think that there's maybe a couple other sisters or one other sister, Um, but I I couldn't find anything else about about the family.
0: Yeah. And. And because of that brain injury, she might not be able to tell. Right. But it would make her very vulnerable. Yeah. It would. Yeah. And also, and and now, as a result of the accident, physically vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, To. Abuse, mistreatment, um, somebody taking advantage, right? Yeah. I, I that would just, I. For the mom to be, just. Thinking of her of her daughter out there somewhere, lost and you know, confused, I think that would be the worst. Yeah, well, and I think it's important because the the one thing that you know while well, she may not even remember her name. Um, sharing her picture, sharing yep, what right. she looks like, and hoping that somebody will take a after taking a
1: listen to the podcast, take a look at her picture. And um, well, and the limp would be significant. Mm-hmm. Um, that limp would be a characteristic that would stand out.
0: Right, right. And um, take a look and, and take a look at her picture to see what she looks like, because maybe she's your neighbor.
1: Right. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos along with information and articles used for these cases can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.
0: So my weekly distraction, again, again. I mean, I'm just, I'm just milking these <laughs> children for all of their <laughs> young knowledge, um, because it's just so great. So these are quotes from kids. Um, so my five-year-old was helping me fold laundry, and he asked me where my boob clothes were. <laughs> And from now on, I'm only going to call my bra boob clothes. I think it's much better. <laughs> it's much more accurate. Boob clothes. Right. What's a bra? Uh, what is that? Uh, right. And if even if you know that the whole name stands for brazier, What's that? I have no idea. Right. They're boob clothes. Perfect. <laughs> this is from Greta, age four. She shows up here a couple of times. <laughs> I really love being human, but some days I wish I was a fairy. Hmm. Me Greta, too. age four. Janelle, age 51. <laughs> same thing. Yep. Um, this is from Dylan, age six. Fog is just clouds that have fell down oh. from the mouths of babes. Yes. That's exactly what they yes. are. Yes. So this is again from Greta, age four. I think it's the same Greta. My mouth just doesn't know when to be quiet. Mm. Mm, yep. Mm. And Janelle, age 51. (laughs) And Katie, 36. (laughs) Uh, This is a little song by Alan, age four. Rain, rain, go away. Little Johnny
1: wants to shoot lasers out of his nipples. (laughs) Who said music has to rhyme? I mean, really? It doesn't have to make sense, it's just an expression. Why would you want to? Sh- I mean, I guess then
0: you got your arms are free if you shoot them out your nipples and you do, your arms are free to do whatever to carry
1: right. bagels or drink some chocolate milk, whatever. Drink some
0: chocolate. I don't know. I it don't would know be helpful. It would be helpful. I thought that was great. <laughs> I think Doctor Seuss's first name is Arthur. People who write books are Arthur's. Oh, so his name must be Arthur Seuss. Hmm. Marley, age four. Uh, Arthur. You- author right (laughs) that's adorable (laughs) um let me see i can't remember i'm writing um uh this is from this is from let me see this is from a six-year-old you have a bug on you
1: but it looks good oh perfect (laughs) it matches it matches what you're wearing so it's fine oh my god (laughs) it's a spider the
0: size of your face um this, um, the last one I have is from a, 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 a little boy named, a little, uh, little boy who was seven. I thought that I needed a hug, but I really just needed pancakes.
1: Yes. Chocolate chip pancakes. No. Oh, what? Or blueberry pancakes. Maybe. <gasps> Wild
0: rice pancakes. Huh really <laughs> we can no longer be friends
1: okay this podcast is done <laughs> this thanks is for listening
0: 30 episodes and that's it uh,
1: no more <laughs> you put blueberries uh, in your
0: pancakes and I put wild rice in mine
1: uh, <laughs> pancakes fix everything though really it doesn't matter what you put it on you think they you need fix a
0: hug, but really you just a pancakes. pancakes
1: maybe two or three right with or without <laughs> chocolate <laughs> chips or wild rice <laughs> <laughs> I guess, have <laughs> okay, so my distraction this week are tweets from a person named Brett Turner. I don't know who this person is, but he is a kid's musician and a writer and a teacher. Um, so these are... And a professional tweeter. A professional tweeter, okay. apparently. Um, so he says, my five-year-old daughter and her neighbor friend spend a lot of the day sitting six feet away from the sidewalk, also from each other shouting compliments at strangers who walk by. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you look nice! (laughs) It's the right mood for these times. It is. So keep in mind, these are all yelling. They're yelling. I'm not going to yell because my voice is already really loud, but they're yelling. Just overheard. Your shirt matches your dog, and I like that about you. (laughs) What, clap? (laughs) Clap. I don't know if you have hair under your hat, but if you do, it's beautiful. (laughs) How old are they? Five. Five, okay, okay. You should wear those shoes every day because they make your eyes shine like the sun.
0: Oh my gosh, they are
1: so good at this! So cute. They are so good at this. Your dog's face is almost as cute as my face from when I was a baby. Then Again, Reese. <laughs> and then he says she's five so there's an occasional hiccup like your dress is much more beautiful than your shoes <laughs> which is still a compliment it's still a compliment right and uh, an, an insult an, <laughs> an insult <laughs> I don't know. compliment followed quickly by insult right but <laughs> uh, your mask covers so much of your face i don't even know what you look like great job <laughs> Great job coming your face. Great job. Um oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so then he posts an update. She's grown tired of compliments, so instead she's yelling about the popsicle she's eating from the doorstep. This popsicle is from my mom and dad. My brother has a popsicle too. Did you also wish to have one? Because I can't share it. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I'm not sure what the daughter's name was. He maybe he maybe mentioned it, but five years old. I think, that's, I think that is
0: the most
1: perfect way right, to spend your time. And I think that five-year-olds should be in charge of coming up with compliments. I think so. Because they're going to be honest. Right. They're going to be true. Right. They're going to be right. Right. They're going to be the greatest. They're going to be the greatest. And, <laughs> yeah. and
0: uh, they're going to be said with enthusiasm. Right. And, and totally objective. Right. Yeah. Right. You know they mean it. <laughs> right. That if you had hair on your <laughs> under your
1: hat, <laughs> and, and those shoes your make your eyes shine like the sun. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, honestly, I would go home and write that
0: down because That's it so is cute. the best ever. Yeah. Um. But the hiccupped
1: ones. Yeah. They,
0: you know, you gotta have somebody sit down the street just a little bit to, you know, fix the hiccups. <laughs> Because there could be some that are just like, um... Yeah. Well, yeah, it, he didn't post
1: all of them, I'm sure. There are well, probably more. but can't, They can't all be perfect, right. spot on. Right, because they're only five. Right. They're, they'll be honest. Yeah. But, and
0: I'm not, I don't honestly feel like I'm such a fan of honesty.
1: All the time. Well, it depends, yeah.
0: And especially from a five-year-old. <laughs>
1: Again, because the first thing it would be is honest. Right. Right. Nice. hmm yes maybe not
0: (laughs) yeah but it would be true it would be true and um yelling at it yelling at you yeah I think that is I think that's exactly what we should all do today I think so too yell across the street (laughs) stand six feet apart right with your masks on yeah so you'd be huffing (laughs) because you can't you can't hardly breathe through them anyway and yelling "What? what what what
1: What and it might it might lose something if we're not five year olds like it might lose a little bit of the oh I think it could sting a little bit more <laughs> I bet
0: I bet it could I bet it could be I think actually charges could be brought against uh, maybe you maybe it, it could be considered harassment it could be yeah it could be s- considered verbal assault right I mean the yelling and everything right mean. um right <laughs> right yeah don't maybe don't do that but yeah and I don't know yeah. And I think, I think that maybe, I like to be, I, I want to be a positive person, but I think that I only would
1: have so many compliments in me. Right. I mean, maybe for the day, or, but maybe forever. Yeah. Well, and I think that little kids are so good at coming up with goofy things, too. Right. And turning them into positives. Right. Because. And it doesn't matter. Because their world is so small. Right. That everything is exciting and everything is joyous. Yeah, and joyous when are yelling and, it.
0: Right. And being cute. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why I shouldn't go on the street, because I'm lacking several of those things. I have the honest thing bottomed down, and and my mouth doesn't always want to be quiet, like Greta said. But uh, that's the rest of it. I'm just going to try on my husband. You should. should. I'm just going to yell at him from the living room when he's in his office.
1: (laughs) Hey, you look nice! (laughs) Those shoes make your eyes look nice. (laughs) You're sitting so well. (laughs) Your posture. Good job at adulting today. (laughs) It is
0: just not as much fun. It's not. It's not. It's not. not. Your, your, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm teasing you, but this (laughs) is often me in the very same way, is that your black clothes Match your, your black shirt matches your black pants.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, um, Good job matching your clothes today. Your socks match your shirt. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't,
0: I don't have much. It's not as much fun if you're an adult. <clears throat> if right. you're an adult. As you know, with everything. Most everything. <laughs> when you're an adult. Don't, don't do it. No. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap and it's not a fun trap.